0: Welcome to the Sell or Die podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Gittimer. And I'm your host, Jen Gittimer. Well, in this podcast, we're going to help you attract more qualified, unbelievable, ready to buy clients. We're going to help you build loyal relationships. And the one thing you're hoping for, close more deals. Let's get into it. It's time to sell or die. Well, what I'd like to do, Dre, is start out with your sports career because that prepared you for your business career.
1: That's correct. Yeah, so my sports career, I went to uh, Engineering and Science High School in Philly. I'm only mentioning that because you are from Philly. I went to Penn State Abington as a freshman in college. So let me back up. Start playing basketball when I was 14. So I played, you know, a little football, a little baseball. I never really played. It was never got serious in football. I never had equipment. It was mediocre in baseball. I got the basketball around age 14, which is pretty late. I only played one year of high school ball, sat the bench, two points per game. And you know, I tell people, you know, you score two points per game in hockey or soccer, you're in the Hall of Fame. When you're doing it in basketball, right, you're hockey. nobody. <laughs> right. So, so I did, I wasn't doing much in high school. Went to college as a, just as a, uh, civilian, you no, know, I wasn't going there because I was recruited, but I knew oh, yeah. I wanted to keep playing. So I knew wherever I went to school, I was just going to try to walk onto the basketball team. So I went to Penn State Abington, pretty small campus, big fish in a small pond. I was probably the most talented player there as a freshman, even though I barely played in, college, in high school. So played one year at Abington, got recruited to go to Penn State Altoona as a after my freshman year, going into my sophomore year. Now Altoona is a full fledged D three school at that time. At the time, I'll, Abington, you only played two years. Now is a full-fledged D3. Back then it was only two years. So played at Altoona, graduated from Altoona. I didn't set the world on fire, but I did play college ball there. My last college coach was a guy named Armin Gilliam. You're probably familiar with him. Yeah, I do. Yeah, so he, he passed away a few years after, probably five, six years after I graduated, but he was the coach. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't that he great. He was a great
0: coach. player. I love that guy.
1: Yeah, good player, not a good coach, but he was a good player. Oh. But uh, yeah, so I remember him being on the teams of Barkley, you know, back in the back in the 60s yep. days. Yep. Yeah, so anyway, got out of college, I wanted to play pro ball, but I didn't have, based on my background, obviously no suitors, nobody knocking on my door to come play pro. Worked a couple of regular jobs when I got out of school. Worked at, my first job out of school was at Foot Locker as an assistant manager. I was working at uh, Granite Run Mall right outside of, right near Chester. And then I worked at Bally Total Fitness. And that was up in the northwest part of the city, and bad, Bally's out of business bad, now. But hey, company. not because of me, yeah, not because of me. I was a salesperson, Jeffrey. I was a very yeah. good person. Yeah, I got yeah. Bally's out of business. Yeah, we used to put people in three-year contracts at Bali. So
0: and then sue the shit out of them when they didn't show up.
1: Yeah, and put them on you get their social security numbers and all of that. So yeah, I, oh, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah, worked at Bally, and that was my first two jobs, six months at each job. Then this is summer 2004 when I got out of college. So I worked both of those jobs for a year. Summer 2005, I went to this event called an exposure camp. You familiar with those? Ever heard of it? No. Now, exposure camp is like a job fair, but for athletes. So instead of bringing in your resume and shaking hands and wearing a suit, oh, cool. you actually you bring your sneakers you and your shorts. Right. Yeah, you play. Yeah, you try to basically impress somebody. So it's like a casting call, like like a model would go to buffer athletes. Now, there's a whole bunch of us there. We're all trying to prove that we're good enough to play pro. And audiences, agents, managers, coaches, scouts from all over the world, these are like destination events that they go to because this is where they try to find talent, especially from the USA, because you know, we're perceived as supposed to be better than the guys in the other countries. Of course. So, yeah, so I go to one of those events. You had to pay to go to this. It's not free. It was $250 I paid in cash at the door because I did not have a credit card or a bank account at this time, 23 years of age. And uh, played pretty well at this two-day event. Uh, got my footage and got a scouting report. Took that back home to Philly. I did not sign a contract on the spot. Went back to Philly. I had to be back at my work at Valley the very next day. So the camp was Saturday and Sunday. I had to be back at work on Monday. So I'm back at Bali and I just started calling basketball agents because I figured I don't know anybody overseas. I've barely been out of the state of Pennsylvania, let alone out of the country. I don't know anybody. Mm -hmm. So I started Googling basketball agents and I figured they'd be the go-between. And any agent I saw who had a phone number, I called them and said, hey, here's who I am. Here's what I have because now I have some collateral right? I have this footage. I have the scouting report. I called about 60 agents. Twenty of them said, "All right, let me see what you got. Show me what you have." And the rest of them were not either not interested or didn't respond to me. I sent my footage to these twenty agents. One of those twenty, Jeffrey, hit me back and said, "I will represent you." He became my first agent. So, in around this time, about so, I don't know when it's going to come out, but late August, early September, two thousand and five, I signed my first contract. That was in Kaunas, Lithuania. That's where I started my basketball career.
0: Wow! And just to give you a what'd parallel they pay
1: you? here. What they paid? You? it oh wasn't goodness. that much it was a couple thousand dollars a month to start now at the same time the footage from that exposure camp was on a vhs tape i'm sure you remember those all right yep. so yeah so the vhs tape i knew they that those things can go bad you drop it you get it in water you lose it mm-hmm. you know, leave it in the sun it gets destroyed so i took it to audio visual store they translated it onto a Audio, the data CD, rather. I put that on into my parents' desktop computer, uploaded to a new website called YouTube.com. And that's where I started a parallel career of putting content on the internet before we were using that phrase content before social media was a phrase. So I kind of had both of these things going at the same time, starting in 2005. Cool. Yeah. So that's where it started. Should I keep going?
0: Yeah. Can people still find your video?
1: Yeah. I still got a YouTube channel. Yeah. It's still there.
0: Cool. Uh, we'll put it in the notes
1: yeah so all right so i keep going yeah go all right so this is a 2005 so i played in a few countries up to this point so fast forwarding about five years i'm putting videos out sporadically on. well
0: on when you were in lithuania what'd you would you average what'd you do
1: when i was in lithuania what did i average and i don't know if i can tell you what i averaged it wasn't a lot but i it was fun i was one two it was two americans When I first got there, there was an African guy. He was also black. And then there was another American that came in like right around the time that we left because you can get shuttle in and out there. So I was there in Lithuania. And yeah, I mean, that's what I can tell you about that situation. One thing I can say is that you don't see the sun. And that time of year in Lithuania, (laughs) it was just cloudy uh, for about about six weeks straight. You did not see the sun. I mean, you knew it was there because it was light outside, but And it was also a fun situation, Jeffrey, just because it was my first time out of the country and I'm doing it because of basketball. So that was a a fun part of it. But it was over in about two months, about two months. I was back in the USA and this happens in an overseas game. It it, it goes like this. So I'm back home. I get a job at a uh, supermarket working overnight. And so overnight shift in the supermarket, basically restocking the shelves because I just need to get something because at this point I'm like, I'm not trying to get a regular career. I'm just trying to get something temporary. So when that phone rings again, I can go play again. So my agent's like, all right, just you know, sit tight, stay in shape, keep working out. And this is what they tell you. And wait till and I'll call you. And I'll come up with another opportunity. And next opportunity, I was playing for a traveling team in the United States. So you familiar with the Harlem Globetrotters? Ever heard of them? Yes, very. Okay, so it wasn't them. I grew up in uh, Atlantic
0: if, City. I grew up in Atlantic <laughs> City. The, the, uh, the original owner yeah. of Atlantic City Generals was a guy named red clots okay. and i went to Sunday school with his son chucky
1: okay no i haven't so heard we him.
0: would go to holland globetrotter i had three tickets to the globetrotters all the time i actually have interviewed meadowlark lemon
1: okay i have heard of him yeah. what do you
0: mean you heard him he was like the fucking guy he was like the <laughs> mr fucking globetrotter all right yeah ahead.
1: yeah so that team was not the Globe Charters. It was like the the Costco version of the Harlem Globe Charters. This I team that I played for next, yeah. So I played for them for a few months. That mm-hmm. led to it. The next after that, I went to Mexico. After Mexico, I was back in the United States. Then I went to. After that was Montenegro. After that was Germany. So this is I'm flash-forwarding here about five years. So that was the first okay. five years and, of my and, career.
0: And uh, but, were those yeah. stints were they positive stints? Did you do well in the country? Did you mish with the people well
1: yeah every all of them were positive because i was always comparing it jeffrey to what i had been doing right so I, yes, my first three it. jobs regular jobs out of school were foot locker Bally total fitness and the supermarket so right, you're playing basketball even if they were paying me the same amount of money <laughs> What job exactly. would you rather have? Right. Okay. So yes, they were all great. So uh, my Spanish was pretty good when I was in Mexico. I was dating girls who didn't even speak English. That's how good my Spanish was at that time. <laughs> so uh, high school, sure. high school uh, Spanish classes were paying off for me. I, I, I retained a good amount of it. And just in the other countries, you know, just meeting the people, going to places that, again, had it not been for basketball, I never would have seen those places. At least maybe now, yeah. maybe I can go on vacation. But at that point in my life, no. So. At this time, I'm also on the internet. I'm putting videos out sporadically because, again, who cares about putting content on the internet in 2007, 2008? Nobody. Right? right. You were putting content out at that time. You were some bum who needed to you know, get a real job and you know, take a shower and shave. I hear you. Right. So about 2009, 2010, I'm unemployed. Phone's not ringing. Agent's telling me, hey, I'm working, but you just got to be patient. And this is kind of the challenge with athletes. Yeah, and stay in shape. Right. Right. Entertainers, actors and actresses. This is the kind of thing you got to deal with. You just got to wait till the phone rings. And I'm like, okay, I'm in my mid to late 20s at this point. And I'm like, I can't just keep waiting for the phone to ring. I need to take some control over my destiny. So I asked myself a really important question at this point. I said, how can I combine basketball with what I'm good at? Well, what I love was basketball. What I'm good at was I was always a computer guy. And how can I make money from it? How can I do all three at the same time? A good thing is, Jeffrey, I had read. About 10 years earlier, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I remember in that book, he just talked about concepts of entrepreneurship that I had never been introduced to. You know, even though I have a business degree from Penn State University, they didn't teach the stuff he was talking about in that book. And because,
0: because the teachers that are teaching it have never had a job.
1: Right. I know.
0: <laughs> I'm just throwing it at you. That's all. Yeah. Oh, I know. I don't want to baden out college all in one sentence, but that's about it.
1: Well, I've badmouthed it plenty in my own material. So I, it's your cool. show. So I'll let you say it. So, oh, thank so you. <laughs> yeah. So, so when I read Kiyosaki, I said, All right, the stuff that he's talking about here, they don't talk about this in college. And I got a four year degree in, in business. And also, I've been introducing network marketing where they introduce personal development. And they were also, you know, when you go to those meetings, you know, 80% of the meeting is them just breaking down your false beliefs about how to make money, 20% of it is about whatever that particular product or services. So Mm -hmm. when I would go to those meetings, I'm like, all right, the stuff these guys are talking about is different than what my college professors are talking about. So I already had it in my mind and that was in college. So I already had it in my mind. All right, when I get out of school, I'm going to play basketball, but after basketball, I'm going to do entrepreneurship. I'm not going to work a regular job. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Now I'm hoping that basketball was going to go 20 years, but now here I am five years in and the phone's not ringing. So I'm thinking maybe it might start now. And also at this time, I just read kind of the the digitized version of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which was 4-Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. And he was talking about an outsourcing and how to do the same things. Kiyosaki was talking about similar principles, but just for the internet age. So because my phone's not ringing and I asked myself that question, combine basketball with the internet, with money. I started creating my own products and services. And I'd actually read your book around that time as well. I believe the first book that you put up. So I was creating my own programs for basketball players. My first program was a $4.99, actually two of them, one for shooting, one for dribbling. And it was just a one-page sales page that I put together on a free hosting website. And I got this from Tim. And he just said, put that one page out, put the name of your product, give a little description of what it does and put a button that says, buy this program for, put your price. When somebody clicks on that button, don't have a product there for them to buy, but just put a little note that says this product is under construction. If you actually want it, put your email address in. And when it's ready, we'll email you. And he said, go to Google AdWords, put $5 on ads. And if you get people who don't know you coming in and putting their email address in, then you have a viable product. Go make it. And I did that. Now, disclaimer to everybody who's listened to this in 2023 you can't do this with $5 worth of ads now. You probably need 50 or no, 500. But back then you could do it with five bucks. So I did it with five bucks. I was getting email addresses. So I went and made my programs and I started selling them. And I would just put a video on YouTube because I had an audience on YouTube at this point from just basketball players. And I was just telling them, Jeffrey, hey, I got this new program. Here's the website. Just go to this website. And I put the link in the description and start sending people there. And people started buying. So when I made my first sale, this was, again, 2009, around this time period, I made my first sale. I said, this is exactly what I need to be doing. I said, I know basketball is not going to last forever. Hopefully the phone rings again and I can play again. But at some point, I won't be able to dunk on everybody. I won't be able to run past everyone. Basketball eventually ends. What Not else totally. would I be able to do? I'm six four. Got it. Yeah. So I said, "What can, I had, can you dunk backwards?" I used to be able to. I don't know if I can now. I haven't tried in a while. But yeah, I could when I was playing. Absolutely. So okay. then we call that a reverse. Is what the actual Got phrase we use. Yeah. So when I made that first sale, Jeffrey, I realized what I was doing. I didn't call it this then, but now I call it. We know what now is intellectual property. I was basically taking the knowledge out of my head and turning it into money. And I said, this is exactly what I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life, because your brain can work a lot longer than your your vertical jump. So that's what I started doing, is just making more programs specifically for basketball players at that time. I'm still putting all this content out on the internet. Luckily, my phone rang again, and I kept playing basketball till 2015. But around this time, from 2009 to 2015, this is when I really started to lay the foundation for where I am now. Got it. What happened here, Jeffrey, was the players who were following me on YouTube. They found out about my background because they would just—I would always respond to the comments, and I would make little videos. Just most of my videos were just me showing you here's how to do a move. Hold on, that's very do important
0: parsing. statement. Don't do, roll by it. I would oh. always respond to the comments.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So let's do Still a slight review here. Let's do a slight recap here. Number sure. one, you have talent, and you wanted to use it. Mm-hmm. Number two, you're computer oriented. And you wanted to try to combine your talent with your computer skills. And number three, you wanted to be in business for yourself. You didn't want a job. Unless you were playing basketball for a team. That's right. That was your job. Mm -hmm. Other than that, you're on your own. Yep. Okay. So I want the audience to understand, we call our audience diehards. So if you're a diehard and you're looking to be able to do something, what Dre did was pick what he was good at. He was good at basketball and he's good at computers. And he combined those two things into a product that he could sell for five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks, whatever it was, and people actually wanted to buy. He went through a process. He read books and studied and used his knowledge, not from the university world but from the real world, and he used that knowledge and turned it into money. I I think that's the best way to describe it. All right, keep going.
1: Yeah, I agree. And thank you for breaking that down. So at this point, so 2009 to 2015, what I started doing is I created more programs for ball players. I just looked at whatever need they had. So you want to learn how to do post moves, you want to learn how to do a crossover. I would just make programs based off that. And my lead source, because I was not running any ads, I wouldn't spend any money on ads. I would just make a video on YouTube and I would say, if you want more like this. Go get the program that's related yeah. to this drill and go buy it. And that's all I did for years. That was until YouTube changed their algorithm. And they started penalizing people like me for doing that. But that worked for several years. So also at this time, ball players who were following me, as I said, I would always reply to the comments. So they would ask because they didn't know me. Like right? These people are just finding me on YouTube. And now YouTube is starting to become a normal place to go. But when I first started, they're like, who is this guy? Right? He's not Kobe. He's not LeBron. But he clearly can play and he can explain it. Where did this guy come from? So they just wanted to know my background, and I told them, "Hey, one year high school ball, walked on to play D three. I'm you no know, hustling to get into pro ball or hustling to get my next job. So they just wanted to know the mentality behind it, like why show up every day and work out. How do you get the confidence to perform when you got you no know, two days and you pay two hundred fifty dollars to go to an exposure camp? You drove nineteen hours to for one chance to make it pro. How do you, you know, show up in that moment right there?" Why keep trying when you come from this very humble beginning? And there's not most people from your background don't even try, but you tried. Why? And then how do you get started doing this stuff? What do so you start talking him? about? What's the why? Yeah, so I, I can tell you this is, about, this is the answer. So I started talking about things like discipline, showing up every day, doing the work, uh, confidence, putting yourself out there, boldly and authentically, mental toughness, uh, how to keep showing up even when things are not working, and initiative, personal initiative, how to make things happen instead of wait for things to happen. And when I start talking about those things the players uh, like the the requests started pivoting from not just basketball to hey can you talk a little bit more about that that mindset that mentality so i started talking about that more in my videos so i started doing this video every monday called the weekly motivation because by this point i'm putting out i'm putting out videos every day at this point jeffrey and they were all basketball but on monday i would do this weekly motivation video just a little selfie video 3 to 5 minutes just whatever was on my mind mentally that i felt like people could learn from because i noticed that The way that I thought mentally, I thought everybody thought like that. But I realized that very few people thought like that.
0: And were they scripted or just off off the cuff?
1: Uh, Always off the cuff. I don't script anything. Okay. So All all my Um, stuff is off the cuff. Keep going. Yeah. So I would just talk off the cuff. And I, I might be driving. I might be walking. I might just finish the workout. And I would just make these videos, put them out every Monday. Did the weekly motivation every Monday for about 400 Mondays in a row. And that became the foundation of where we are today, because what happened is now people who didn't play basketball started finding me through those Monday videos, those weekly motivations. And they would say, well, Dre, I know your stuff is directed towards athletes, but I don't play sports. But what you talk about on those Monday videos, that applies to everybody. So that told me, here's my segue out of the the sports pigeonhole. Like I don't have to be pigeonholed just talking to athletes. I can talk to anyone. Not a bad
0: pigeonhole, but you're right. You're in a pigeonhole.
1: Right. Because what the thing is, when you're putting out content, as soon as you stop putting out that content, they forget about you. Right. So I understood that game very early that as soon as I stopped putting basketball videos up every day, basketball players would not remember that I existed. And I knew that when I stopped playing, I wasn't going to be in the gym every day. I didn't want to be a coach. I didn't want to be a trainer. I knew when basketball was done, it was done. So when I stopped playing, I stopped playing. I, I don't play basketball today at all. Zero. So I knew that I wouldn't be a guide to them anymore. So I was already thinking about who can I serve outside of athletes. So this was already in the works. So when I stopped playing in 2015, I was able to jump into it, into this just all the way and just start serving non-athletes as my target. I still have athletes in my audience to this day from the, the long tail of the content, but I was really started focusing on professionals on the mindsets type stuff. And of course, professionals all want to make money. I mean, it's the reason why we go to work. So those are the things that we focus on today. Mindset, strategy, systems, and accountability for entrepreneurs. And that's how we got here today. So I know there's a lot that I didn't answer there, but I'll stop and see where you want to go. No, no, that's fine.
0: So um, it's a great story of you do whatever you have to do to get over Mm-hmm. And you keep looking out of the sides of your eyes. You're not blinded by, I'm either going to play basketball or die. You say, I'm going right. to play basketball and live. And those right. are, those, that's a big shift in mindset from people who are focused in on it. And I think that there's a, a lesson to be learned from everyone who's listening to this podcast that you don't have to be an overwhelming success at the very beginning of your career in order to become an overwhelming success as you're growing. But if you don't keep working at it, it ain't going to work. You don't like go to sleep on Tuesday and go, well, you know, I'm going to skip Wednesday. There's no skipping Wednesday. And when you show up every Monday for 400 straight weeks, there's a dedication and a discipline that goes with that. During COVID, I did 752 straight days of a 9.59 a.m. show for people to just kick their ass. Because right. COVID was, you know, a dark moment in our society. And the, the challenge that you have when you do something like that is it's a discipline and you don't miss even if your ass falls off. That's right. I've pulled over to the side of the road. I have uh, lost internet connections and gained them back. You know, you do whatever you have to do. You do what you have to do. And because we're both from Philly, there's a mindset that goes with that as well because it's unforgiving. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I moved to Charlotte, in 1988 i was here for about a year and i finally realized hey fuck you is not a greeting and and there's a whole other mindset that goes with that too right. uh, where do you live now miami civilized and yeah. can you speak spanish fluently
1: no but i will as on my list for 2024
0: cool because if you're not bilingual in miami you're at a serious deficit you live in miami or some suburb
1: No, I'm in Miami. I'm in the the heart of it.
0: So the challenge that you have right now is, uh, you know, how do you make it grow beyond that? We're we're on a podcast together. My podcast Mm. has 3 million downloads. And I usually do it with my wife, Jen, but she's traveling. Uh, But this is a a guy's show. You know, this is Mm. somebody who wakes up in the morning and goes to work like I do. You work Mm. at it every day or you don't get to the next plateau. Mm -hmm. you know you maybe you take a vacation for a weekend or something but shit you're already in florida and so in the winter you don't have to go anywhere you're already there just go to south beach yeah and and you're fine and south beach is its own circus um
1: yes it is i I, I was i was
0: actually born in west palm
1: okay it's beautiful beautiful. my
0: parents were in the in the army and the air force during the second world war and then we moved back up to new jersey in City. Where we settled, but um Florida is its own place. If you want to go on vacation, you go someplace other than Florida. But you can drive to the west <laughs> coast of Florida, and it's a whole different civilization. Either, you know, as well, That's right. you, you go from the Jews to the Gentiles in twenty miles. <laughs> um, but I think that there's a an ability for anybody in this audience to learn what self discipline is. Mm-hmm. You have it. I have it. And we have it because we're dedicated to succeed for ourselves and our families. That's the whole deal. And when you have that dedication, you win. So tell me about how business evolved for you.
1: Well, the first thing I was thinking of doing after basketball was I was going to teach people how to market themselves through video, because that's what i had done, just basically mm-hmm. putting videos on YouTube. But I learned pretty quickly that to be in that game, you had to kind of you gotta be reading every blog that comes out, and because it changes so quickly. And I said, I don't want to do that. That's not what I wanted to do. I don't want to. I didn't want to be a current event guy. I wanted to be. I wanted to talk about something that was evergreen. So that's when I had actually start. I'd done my first couple of TED talks, and I talked about mindset in all of my TED talks. And one of my mentors, who was a professional speaker, she saw one of those talks and she said, "You need to be talking about mental toughness. Like that's your zone." Like It comes naturally to you. It fits your brand. You know, you're living the thing that you're talking about. That's what you need to focus on. So that's really what I started focusing on was the mindset piece. The thing with the mindset is it's a little bit harder to sell because it's intangible as opposed to, you know, if you tell somebody to help you get more views on your video. People or more need money it, but bank, they don't you know.
0: really know how to attain it other than right. sit in a chair in the morning and meditate.
1: Right, and it's harder to get people to understand the the tangible value of it, right? So it's a little bit harder to explain to people, even though everybody knows they need it. So that's where I started.
0: I'm going to throw something at you. Mm -hmm. Um, Mindset actually has an ending. And the ending is Mm -hmm. don't quit. That's part of the mindset, because it's easy to quit. It's easy to say it's too hard, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's whatever. And the second thing is, what I, I have a little phrase that I put at the end of a goal or at the end of an, uh, the end of something I have to do today, even if your ass falls off. Mm. That's a mindset statement. Like mm. I'm going to pick up my shirts at the cleaner, even if my ass falls off. But I'm going to get this customer, even if my ass falls off. I'm going to have a meeting with this guy, even if my ass falls off, because that tells me that I'm going to go about it with everything I've got. Now, it may not be I'm not aggressive. I'm assertive there's a big difference in there. Assertive salespeople ask, aggressive salespeople tell, I'm an asker. And because I'm an asker, it's much more genteel when you're talking to somebody on the phone. It's not like, hey, you got to do this. It's like, hey, is doing this okay with you? It's big, big difference. And I don't feel like I push anybody, I pull them. And so your job is in the, in the same thing. You're, if you're trying to teach people about mindset, and Diehard, if you listen to this, how's your mindset on a scale of one to a hundred? If you had to rate your mindset right now, where would it be? And Dre, because you're in it every day, your mindset's going to be between 90 and hundred. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I was
1: thinking it while you were saying it. Yeah.
0: Right. And yeah. <laughs> interesting. And so mine is two. Mine's in the, mm. mine's above 95. My mindset is I'm on it. I'm tracked on it and I'm staying on it. Even if my ass falls off. And. Whether I'm in an art gallery looking for a specific piece of art or in a store, in a grocery store looking for a specific item on the shelf, if they don't have it, I don't buy something else. I go to another grocery store. I'm, I'm, you think I'm going to settle for something shitty? No. Um, so I'm, I'll just give you an example. If I'm looking for a soda and I, I want a Coca-Cola and they say, is Pepsi okay? Pepsi's not okay. Nobody wants a Pepsi.
1: So what do you do in a restaurant when they only have Pepsi products, but you want to cook? I get iced tea. <laughs> okay.
0: So I'm, I'm looking for, I don't settle no matter what, mm. even if my ass falls off, I don't settle because I want what I want. And when that is part of your, your mental makeup, that helps your mindset.
1: 100%. I'm
0: not going to take second best. I'm going for be the best or nothing. 100%. I, when I owned racehorses, I didn't bet to win place or show. I bet to win second place in anything you have is first loser. And so I'm not looking for second place. I'm looking for first place. Why do I want? Why do I want to, Hey, I bet the horse to come in second. And I won. like serious need and win the horse fucking lost. So I'm, I'm looking at this from a standpoint of this is about me and what I want to achieve. And it's the same with you. You're not looking to come in mm. second place. Are you
1: not at all? And what you're talking about is standards that's yeah. what you're explaining standards exactly. and, and, and I,
0: I don't follow standards. I set standards. I set the standard in selling. I'm, and if you look at my website, I'm the king of sales. Where'd I get that title? I gave it to myself. No one had it. I've had it for more than a decade. No one challenges me. No one. Cause they know, they know, I know. And my YouTube channel has millions of views and my, my I've sold millions of books and, and I'm, happy and proud of what I've done and and where I'm going. And you, at 41, keep in mind, my first book did not come out until I was 48. That's impressive. Got it? Yeah. 48 years old. I went through failure. I went through drug years. I went through whatever else you could go through in life, marriage, divorce, life, death, parents, everything. And either you emerge or you don't. You have to decide where you want to grow to you were lucky you decided before you were 21 years old where you were going Mm -hmm. and you did it totally cool agent calling you anymore? by the way
1: (laughs) hell no no (laughs) (laughs) and then you're
0: a friend i'm just asking no
1: no they don't call anymore i had to call like
0: old-timers games for for uh uh international basketball basketball
1: players if there was i would not play I'm not, okay. in, I'm not in I'm not game shape anymore. I would show up, but I wouldn't play. I'd be a, I'd maybe I'd coach it. But your book came out back when you had to get a publisher, it. right?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: No, yeah. publisher um, days. I
0: am I'm going in October. I went to Haddonfield High School, one of the mm-hmm. best high schools in New Jersey. Smart kids, all brilliant kids. Everyone went to college. Everyone mm-hmm. went to college. We're having our 60th high school reunion in Cape May. Wow, I gotta you know? go. Yeah, yeah of course. And and the reason I'm going is because the only thing you have in common with these people is that you went to school with them. How many of them still um More than half, and we're in touch. We have a high we during COVID. We had a high school reunion every every month on Zoom. Right. I call it Haddonfield Squares, (laughs) because everyone sort of shows up, and half the people look half fucking dead. It It was totally crazy. Yeah. Um, but you know they're your friends because you grew up with them you totally grew up with them they're all now 76 77 78 years old and half of them look horrible but I have a young wife and a young daughter and four I have four daughters four granddaughters and a great-granddaughter wow congratulations yeah thanks and actually my youngest daughter and my granddaughter and my great-granddaughter were having dinner tonight at six o'clock okay in Charlotte um Pumped for it, totally pumped. So the challenge that you have is how do you how do you live your life through your dreams and still maintain your mindset for going to work? Like I I had a call this morning at eight o'clock uh, with a very large car company. I'm having breakfast tomorrow morning at seven o'clock and my second breakfast at eight o'clock. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm in. You know I'm working my ass off no matter what, and I'm I'm doing it on an everyday basis. And so do you. And I showed up with a t-shirt on with my Phillies gear, not knowing you were from Philly, but I wanted you to know where I was from and that we're in the pennant race, even though we're 10 games out.
1: Yeah, they got a chance.
0: We can win ball games.
1: That's a chance. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the Mets who paid $500 million to beat the Phillies <laughs> are now in fourth place, 10 games yeah. out. The 10 games behind the Phillies, 20 games out of first. I love yeah, it. That happens in baseball. I texted a buddy of mine who's a (laughs) Mets fan, and I said, you know, if you'd invested another couple hundred million, you could probably be in fourth place.
1: Right. (laughs) Baseball is tricky like that. Oh, man. And they
0: just traded away their best pitcher. Anyway, a whole other story.
1: You go to any games, Phillies games?
0: Um, I do go to – I try to go to at least one game a year because I need to keep my teeth sharp. Philly is like the greatest place in the world to go to a ball game because everyone's smart. And people mm-hmm. take no shit from anybody. Yeah. We boo, we boo Santa Claus. We boo the home team if the guy goes over four. Um, you know we're 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 tough. But I think mm. the Eagles are going to be undefeated this year. Undefeated. Yeah,
1: undefeated. Seventeen games.
0: Yep, and the Super Bowl.
1: Okay. Well, I hope they win the Super Bowl. Undefeated is going to be tough. That's a tough task.
0: Undefeated is going to be really tough. But yeah. I'm going to tell you, we have a machine team, and. I'll tell you, and you can tell me. You can. I'd, I'd like your opinion on this. We have one weapon that's universal with the Eagles, besides having a great coach that everyone loves. We have speed. Yeah. We have the fastest runners. We have the fastest quarterback. We have the fastest defense in the league, and speed wins in the NFL. That's
1: true, and it's just coming off of losing the Super Bowl, and that team's usually in a pretty good. Pretty good spot most of the time when you lose the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, so and we got cheated out of the right. Super Bowl. Well, not by the refs, but by the field. The groundskeeper was a piece of shit. Uh, the <laughs> had the, they had the wrong shoes on for the first half. Right. I mean, it was just, it was just bad for a Super Bowl. And yeah,
1: it was just that fumble. If it wasn't for that fumble, we'd have won the
0: game. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But I'll tell you this: I was in England in uh, April, mm. and I went to a My first football game, Arsenal, real football. The field goes down 50 feet. Really? 50 feet. They water the grass one minute before the game starts. And it's perfect. There's not one ounce, one blade of bad grass on the entire field for the entire game.
1: When you say it goes down 50 feet, what do you mean? The ground actually moves? It's like an elevator?
0: No, it has... Sand, it has rocks, it has dirt, it has oh the whole tracing system built in. So when you water the field, it immediately goes away.
1: I see. Okay.
0: It's pretty cool. I mean it's a hundred years old. Yeah. But the field is it goes down 50 feet in every football stadium in England, by the way.
1: Yeah, they invest a lot into that stuff. Bingo. Yeah. Because
0: they give a shit about the players not hurting their knees. How many? Right. How many football players in soccer have a bad knee? And I never edgy, hear about
1: that. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Right. Because the field is good, but now we put astroturf and all kinds of shit on the field that you die when you get tackled on that feels like being tackled in a garage. When yeah, they're
1: trying to. They're trying to make it better. I know some guys who work in that industry, so they're trying to replace the the bad stuff with the good stuff. They're trying in the usa
0: you get down 25 feet to start right and that way the field drains and there's no turf coming up and there's, you know let the grass grow but that's part of their mindset the mindset right. of the nfl is sell tickets not fix fields
1: right because the players are disposable the player gets hurt they bring another one in. exactly right yeah sad no that's
0: and, you sad. know i'm i'm a i am a my, I went to my first baseball game in 1954 with my dad, and I saw Ted Williams play against mm. the Philadelphia Athletics in their last year in Philly. So I'm a pretty long-term fan, big-time sports fan. Well, Julius, you know the the real the real basketball players um, in a time when no one was a crybaby. Yeah, good old days. Before, it was just before Kareem Abdul-Jabbar became a crybaby. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> makes I mean, sense. Biggest crybaby in the history of sports.
2: <laughs>
0: um, but the, the challenge that you have is going out to your audience. What do you do? What's, your, what's the secret when you're moving forward with a mindset? How do you talk to your audiences?
1: Uh, similar to how you're talking to your audience right now is that the number one thing that people get from me is not necessarily the, the tangible thing. It's the no fluff, uh, no bullshit, straight to the point. Uh, they're going to get what they need, not necessarily what they want. And our job over here is, and I tell people this our job is to help you do good, not necessarily to make you feel good. If you happen to feel good in the process, fine, but that's not the goal. The goal is to help you do good, which is all about the performance. So I come from the sports world. It's a performance and results based business. And you're not performing, you don't play. And if you, you know don't perform Dan for Sanders long quote? enough, you're out. You know the DM standard quote? Yeah, I use it sometimes in my speeches.
0: If you look do, good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. If you play good, you play good they yep. pay good. Yeah one of the best sports quotes of all time yes it is because he walked his talk Mm in two sports that's right probably could have done three Mm -hmm. um one of my friends is dave winfield who was three sports football basketball baseball drafted all drafted in the nfl the in nba and and the major leagues and played for 23 years uninjured how do you do that and the answer is pick
1: the right sport first of all
0: well that's true but yeah (laughs) but
1: take care of your body
0: you don't get hurt it still doesn't mean you don't get hurt you play hurt you know you're it's not a candy ass game but you get ready for every game
1: yeah pick take care of your body the investment yeah bingo michael brown
0: also one of the nicest people you'll ever want to meet in sports what's he doing now Winfield. He's uh, in the MLB union. He's okay. the vice president of the players union. Okay. He, he, he doesn't need to do anything. He does a great right. Great guy. Just a just a great guy. And the challenge that you have is okay, who not just who are your mentors, but who do you look up to? Who are the people that you look up to in the world? And I will guarantee you they have the mindset that you're trying to achieve. Guaranteed. That's pretty interesting. They don't have to be a mentor. They don't have to be a coach, but they have to be someone that you admire. Right. And like, I hated Red Auerbach, coach of the Boston Celtics, mm-hmm. or nine championships in 11 years. That's mindset.
1: No, absolutely. Did you read the book that Bill Russell wrote about him and Red? Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. And it was another one he had. I think it was one that he wrote about how he would meet his friends for lunch like every week. I forget the name of the book.
0: He, I, I hated him, that. lighting that cigar at the end of the game. I fucking hated that guy because I'm Sixers. Right. When we beat the Celtics, we felt like we had won the NBA championship every time. Mm. Right. Wilt couldn't shoot a foul shot to save his life. Um, you know, we're all frustrated as hell about the about how we play and what we do. But Wilt scored 100 points. How did Russell score? Wilt pulled down 55 points. rebounds in a game. <laughs> Russell was like a, a rebounder. But Wilt mm. was better. Wilt averaged 20 rebounds a game for a season.
1: So do you think Wilt was just a better overall player?
0: Oh, totally. Did Not even. Read,
1: did you read Bill Simmons' book on basketball? No. Well, he does a, a deep dive assessment of Russell versus Chamberlain. Now he's a Boston guy. So he comes out with Russell on top. So of maybe course. You, you want to see that. <laughs>
0: right. I, I'm I'm gonna go with uh a guy who decided what he was going to do at the beginning of the year and then did it. He didn't play basketball for the team. He played for himself this year. I'm going to score 50 points a game. And he did this year. I'm going to have double doubles in every game. And he did. I mean, guy was just incredible. Anyway, I have, uh, um, I went to summer camp every year in the Poconos, 200 other Jews. And Wilt was a kitchen boy at the camp that I went to and came back as a Harlem Globetrotter. For an afternoon, and we played basketball with will Chamberlain, oh, yeah. and I had him sign a postcard that I sent home to my mom and dad. Dear mom and dad, I played ball with will to still today. Here's his autograph. Please save this card. And 25 years later, I asked my mom if she saved the card. She goes, "Oh yeah, I have all your cards." So I have that card. Huh. What's the value of that?
1: I don't know. Have you Have you checked?
0: If, if my No, I don't care. If my house catches on <laughs> fire, that's the thing I'm going to run out of the house with. Yeah. Think about that. Think about mm. what the the worth of something is versus what the value of something is.
2: Mm, that's right. Mm-hmm. Big thing. You,
0: you have a value of your mindset that you can't put a price tag on. Yours is intense enough to make a living from. That's pretty cool. What do you do? Well, I teach people mindset and make a living. Cool. And I have a coat and tie on. Now I usually cut ties off with of a pair of scissors, but I don't have a pair of scissors on me. Plus, okay. you could probably at six four, you could probably take me. <laughs> how tall are you uh, six feet okay but um and i can't dribble with my left hand so i'm,
1: uh, I'm yeah. yeah that hurts you in basketball
0: i'm yeah. totally out yeah <laughs> um but uh i don't type either and i've written 17 books and how do you do that voice the text no voice oh, to voice the
1: text. text okay
0: yeah i'm i can't i can not i can type i'm just shitty at it
1: yeah i use voice okay. to text a lot now but I type the, to the it. first few
0: I almost said voice to text is the new black. But huh. it's... That works. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm talking about.
1: Yes. Um, you can write books without writing these days. You don't have to write anything. Exactly. Write a book. Right.
0: Well, here's the deal. Just think about this. When you're typing and you have a stream of conscious and you mistype a letter, you go backspace, backspace, and you hit the P key and you've lost your train of thought. Right. You've lost your stream of conscious. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking, you don't hit backspace. You just go.
1: Right. And, and there's no typos when you text voice the text.
0: It doesn't matter. You can fix it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I use Siri or Dragon for Mac or whatever I'm, you know, whatever's around. But I capture every idea in that moment. Even when I'm on stage, I'll say, hey, wait a second. I never said that before. And I'll pick, pick up my phone and text myself what I just said.
1: I know we could take oh, our fine. speeches. They're, yeah. get them transcribed and we can turn those into other stuff.
0: Exactly. In two seconds. Yeah. Right. We use Otter, Otter AI.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's all kinds of software for that stuff now. Yeah.
0: These days it's getting more sophisticated. So oh, yeah. are you, are you launching an AI channel?
1: What's an AI channel?
0: Go to, <laughs> go to, you haven't, can you take a note right now? Yes. Go to HyperReal, H-Y-P-E-R-R-E-A-L.io. hyperreal li o HyperReal hyperreal.io okay they're the company that's doing it for me if you want to do it i'll arrange a meeting with you with them the The founder of the company is right here in charlotte
1: okay so in short what do they do it's, they it's take loading. your stuff
0: they put it online they renew all of your copyrights and they allow anyone to see your stuff any time of the day or night anywhere in the world and get an answer in any language in one minute
1: an answer to what
0: anything they have about mindset
1: oh i see Oh, so they take your stuff and they come up with the answers based on the stuff that you've already created.
0: No, you give them the stuff and that is the answer. Is the book behind you? Is that your book? All oh, these are mine. Yeah. So let's see one of them. All right. So this
1: is work on your game. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. So work on your game. Mm-hmm. I can take every word in that mm-hmm. and every other workbook you've ever done or every other book you've ever done and put it all into one hopper. Right. And anybody can say, how do I prepare for a game? What's, what are the secrets of preparing for a game? What's the best thing I can do when I'm down on myself? Right. How do I get up in the morning and go to work out? And all those questions you've already answered. And you can do them on AI and anybody can get them. And you can subscribe for 20 bucks a month, 30 bucks a month.
1: So everything. So the more material you give them, the more answers, more questions you can answer. Boom. And then you just get a bunch of subscribers just to and you can, ask questions. And you,
0: can, you can teach it every morning. You can teach it, Dre, every morning.
1: So you just keep feeding it more content.
0: Boom. Uh, when I'm, um, I'm launching the channel, and I'm hoping this week, but probably next week. And I'll send mm. you a, a freebie that you can play with it and see what you see if you like it.
1: Yeah, it sounds I, interesting. Where is it hosted? Is it perfect. on their their platform?
0: I'm a Jew with a Macintosh. I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs>
1: no idea i'm a black guy with a macintosh where is it the youtube channel i mean they have their own site i'm gonna say it, it's,
0: it might be through kajabi it might be through their channel i'm not really sure i think they're okay. gonna go through my stuff on kajabi and then figure out how to put it through their channel
1: right but okay. I,
0: I honestly dre i don't know
1: okay yeah this is interesting okay i see it here now it's coming up hyperreal.io
0: they're previously and now in the entertainment business mm-hmm. And. They have the Beatles, they have Michael Jackson, they have ABBA, um, they have athletes, they have, they have um, um, Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, and they put out the stuff and they do events. Hmm. They want content, they want subscribers. Right. And I'm their first content guy.
1: You're the first one. how they found you?
0: I met this guy on accident at a dinner in Charlotte six months ago.
1: Okay. Yes, how it happens.
0: Well, there's no accidents.
1: All right. Well, I tell people be outside. That's one of the things I tell my audience all the time. You got to be outside.
0: And you got to look found. You got to right. look up. Because
1: mm-hmm.
0: if you're looking down, you're looking at the phone. Unless you're, right. open, you're looking at the sidewalk.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested. I'm going to look more into their site uh, when this call's over.
0: Yeah, you're qualified. You're smart. And you, and you already have a subject that no matter where you're an expert. Mm, yeah, thank you. You know, yeah definitely looking at this you know i was in this kind of throwaway. i was just in paris for a month and i had to do a recording and i have you ever heard of a guy named steven chen no founder of youtube
2: mm. yes now i have
0: yeah um i did there's a company called augment.org you should look mm. at it it's an MBA course offered online, only founders of companies. Okay. You might be able to do something on mindset, but the founder of Wikipedia, the founder of Waze, the founder of Shazam, the founder of Lime, the founder of Eventbrite, they're all on there talking.
1: Yeah, I see. I'm and looking at it now.
0: And and uh, Steve Chen was on the day I was there, so I, I hung out with him for a day. In Paris? Yeah. Okay. I have more followers than he does. Okay does not care about followers, he only cares, right. about... <laughs> <laughs> right, but um, I will tell you that the uh augment is unbelievable. It's based, you know, it's, it's two thousand bucks to take it. But how many MBA teachers at Harvard or Yale or wherever have never had a job
1: besides working at Harvard or Yale?
0: Yeah, uh, probably most of them, probably. That's exactly correct. Now, yeah, the they fuck go to school to teach me how to go business. How to do business, yeah. and they've never had a job in business,
1: they go to school and then they go straight into academia. Yeah, I know a lot and of people a, with that a
0: job, and then after 10 years, you can't fire them unless, you, unless they have like naked pictures of them with a duck, and even then, it's hard.
1: Yeah, you're locked in, it's like the Supreme yeah. Court.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> I, I, um, I discount all those people, and I'd rather listen to a guy who the founder of YouTube that, that's a guy I want to pay attention to. What did you do? How did he do it? What was his mindset for doing it? Right. So I'll recommend you to augment. I'm real good friends with all the kids that run it.
1: Oh, I'd be happy to uh, speak with them. Appreciate it. Yeah.
0: Let's go back to mindset. So Mm -hmm. you are will and watching this, you're in front of an audience and you're trying to get them to have an understanding of how they need to embrace the mindset concept and put it into practice in their own lives. Do you have some special way of communicating that to them?
1: Absolutely. So we have different frameworks that I share. One of my my most popular framework is one called the Third Day, and you can see that book is right up there. It's kind of cut off on the
0: screen. Yep, it's
1: actually yeah. right here behind me. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Third Day. It's a decision that separates the pros from the amateurs, and it it weaves together my sports background with my uh, entrepreneurial background. It's all about. On that, let's just say somebody decides they want to go to the gym and work out and they haven't been there for a while, right? Maybe after COVID. That first day, you're really excited, right? You got new workout gear, new personal trainer. You signed up for a boot camp class. The first workout kicks your butt because you haven't been there in a while, but you drag yourself home and you're really excited. You're like, hey, I'm doing this. Second day is a little bit harder because you had the fatigue from day one. On the top of the fact, you haven't worked out two days in a row in a while. For sure. But yeah, right. You push yourself through and you're like, Hey, I'm doing this a little bit less enthusiasm, but you're still excited. Still has that new car smell. But by that third day, you're already questioning your decision-making process. You're already having that. It's a difference of opinion between your body and your mind. Now you're not sure you should have signed up for this. Uh, you don't want to hear your trainer's mouth. You don't want to say hi to the smiling person at the front desk. And you're already like wondering, do I really want to do this? Cause you realize by that third day, And third day doesn't have to be three in a row, but just at that point in anything that we sign up for, you get to that point where the newness is worn off and the novelty is gone and you realize that this thing you signed up for is actually, there's some real work that has to be done. This is is actually a job. This
0: is totally crazy. I'm going to throw something at you. You could have called the book Third Day Fuck It. It would have been an an apropos title, but I'm going to throw this at you. I'm a world-class expert at, at direct selling and MLM. A kid gets involved in MLM And he talks to somebody and they say, you know, you're crazy. And then he goes to his best friend. He says, hey, I'm involved in this thing. And and it's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. What do you think? And his best friend says, you're crazy. Then he goes to his mother and he goes, mom, I got this idea of MLM. I'm going to make a lot of money. What do you think? You're crazy. You can't get past three. You're crazy. Cannot. After your mother says you're crazy, you quit. And the third day is absolutely 100% true. And you can ask the audience, how many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution and not kept it? Everybody. Yeah, that's the easiest way (laughs) to describe your mental strength. You wanted to do it. You might have even started doing it, but you quit. Mm -hmm. The biggest month of gym cancellations is February. Oh, yeah. It's totally.
1: Well, I know January is the biggest month for signups. I work in them, oh, yeah. but yeah, I do not know when they canceled.
0: <laughs> so, Diehard, if you're looking to be able to create a mindset, you have to do it for yourself, not for other people. Mindset is selfish. You want to have the the power of attitude for yourself, so you can be the best person you can be for other people. Mindset is selfish, and you you perform it for yourself. You do it for yourself, and we have just had a great conversation with a person who has developed not only his own mindset, but his ability to write about mindset and teach about mindset so that you can gain it for yourself. We have been listening to the great Dre Baldwin and I'm challenging you go get the books. I'll put some notes in the note. I'll put some comments in the, in the chat and I I just go get it. Uh, Maybe if your corporation's having a, a meeting, about making more sales next next month or next year. You might want to bring them in just to kick people's butt. Thanks, Dre, for being here. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to like, share. Yeah, share with both your friends. And subscribe to the podcast. And remember, we have a free 22-day sales challenge. Just go to com slash sales challenge to start you on your way.